0: This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU. I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by... Bob Keipel. We are thrilled today to be joined by Dennis Eflin, uh, Dennis is a fellow Spartan, uh, also from the Broad School, and the global lead for CX and digital transformation at the IBM Automotive Center of Excellence. Welcome to the show, Dennis.
2: Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to talk to you guys today.
0: Well, let's jump right into it. Um, Dennis, it's nice to talk to you, and according to your LinkedIn profile, it's very impressive. You're an innovator, transformer, CX evangelist, storyteller. You're doing way more than I'm doing, that's for sure. Um, So, can you tell us a little about that and your role at IBM?
2: Sure. So, uh, within IBM, obviously, as you can imagine, there are consultants uh, all over the place in every industry, every functional expertise, uh, every software. Um, But what we do at IBM is sort of on top of those, we put these small centers of excellence of a group of people who have had industry experience and are somewhat recognized or known as a subject matter expert in parts of the, the industry and can speak credibly in front of the client and you know have, have client empathy and understand their situation and that they've been in their shoes. So I am in uh, IBM's Automotive Center of Excellence and you know spearhead most of the strategic thinking and points of view perspectives that we may have as, a, as an industry around sales and marketing and client speak from for us consultants around digital transformation and CX. Um, so, you know, for us, that means things like, you know, what do we believe the industry will look like in 2030? You know, do we believe automotive retailing, you know, will still be viable as we know it today? Uh, what do we think of the car business as a whole? So, we lead that type of thinking both internally and externally, and um, you know, work on client engagements, work on publishing, and, and lead intellectual capital. So, keeps me busy. And uh, above it all, I guess, story tells so that I can say I'm an innovator.
1: Well, that's 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 cool. I know you touched on this a little bit, um, but could you go into more detail about the? um specific work that your 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 team is 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 working on right now.
0: Yeah, and, I'm wondering and like and what's your clients what what's the hot topic that your clients are asking about?
2: Sure, sure. So, um you know, I think certainly Bob as you r- recall, um the industry auto uh, especially, but all industries I think are under significant change and the COVID period only accelerated or amplified the need for some major overhaul in terms of you know, many companies needing a business model that is a little more um, operationally efficient, a little more intelligent about its workflows, um, a little more humanizing in its employee experiences, and certainly more in touch, more engaged, more omni-channel with customers that they can you know, access and deliver anywhere, anytime. So, you know, a typical request over the last few weeks, months, and going forward that I see is somebody, an OEM, a major dealer group, or somebody, a uh, supplier even, saying, you know, we're not sure our business model will be sustainable for the next five, ten years. You know, we can't keep cutting costs to the point of survival. Uh, we need to find new revenue sources. We need to find new ways of making money. We need to potentially find a new way to operate. So we will go in and and conduct envisioning sessions or design thinking sessions around what is it that they can be given their assets and given their opportunities. And a lot of the time it starts with redefining a proposition, you know, rethinking who their customers are or can be and rethinking even the industry and thinking more in terms of an ecosystem that automotive may be an industry, but mobility is an ecosystem. And how can I be a provider, or a brand of assets that provides value into that ecosystem, as opposed to just thinking as a transactional uh, way of making revenue. Um, So that's a a lot of the upfront thinking. Mm. And then it'll, you know, that will often ducktail into, um, you know, how do we then set up the business? How do we then build, market making platforms or create tools that will help their customer engagement, that will help their transformation to be more mobile, to be more digital, to be more omnipresent. Um, So then that road mapping, that designing goes underway. And then often a portfolio of literally then going and building and delivering that. And we do, you know, some major innovative tools and thinking like a garage methodology, which is a agile rapid way to, you know prototype and get fast to market fail fast type of mentality to say let's prove out some things quickly new types of business models new types of prototypes and test them out quickly um, and get them out to market try to be first to market so that in a nutshell is is what we hear a lot of clients asking for in terms of we need help so you, so you brought, it,
0: it, go ahead tom sorry
1: you brought up omni channel um uh, how how you know Because of the COVID crisis, how has that really come to the the forefront? And what discussions do you have around that?
2: So a lot of the thinking, you know, a lot of companies, automotive, but also I think retail, consumer goods, there was a lot of online presence, a lot of e-commerce, or a lot of digital retailing underway. Um, But in my mind, it was a lot of taking current processes and simply putting them online. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the thinking now, given changes in customer expectations given COVID. Um, you know, I I don't know about all all of you, but, um, you know, during COVID there were times where I had groceries delivered, meals delivered, prescriptions delivered, had my car serviced without leaving the house, had my dog groomed without leaving the house. All of a sudden there's a new set of expectations. I was able to do that often with the swipe of my thumb on a phone. Um, and there are still obviously business models that aren't quite there in terms of having that capability to have the digital and physical experience become one unified experience and become very integrated, personalized, identifying that it's me on the phone, it's me on the web, and it's me in your store. Let's make sure that experience flows with me. So that, that is omni-channel and that, that's re- rearranging or repurposing some of the workflows to be supportive of that as opposed to singular channel.
1: Yeah, particularly as it's evolving almost seemingly every day, Um, both changes in operations and changes in customer expectations, right?
0: Right, absolutely. What's the key to uh, having that transition from online to offline? You know, you do all your clicking and everything and you're arranging for service, but then like a real human pops up. And what if they don't know, like, all your history of what you've Mm -hmm. shopped for or what you've ordered and that kind of thing? What's the key to keeping it tight?
2: Uh, Well, there's many, but, I mean, it starts with with data and and having one single view of the customer. And, you know, a lot of times there are disparate databases that, yeah, I may recognize you as Tom123 online, but in the store, you're Tom DeWitt, um, but I need to match those up and have a single view, customer 360 kind of views. So there's a lot of data issues and a lot of analytics around that um, to, to make sure I understand this is the same person. This is the one journey of a person and I follow them. Uh, a lot of what IBM does and, and many others do is, you know the analytics and the artificial intelligence to, to sort of prescribe, well, I know or I can predict what the right next best action or next best offer might be based on clicking patterns or based on both physical and online uh, instances of engagement. Um, So that intelligence capturing that learning from that in real time um, with one single view of the customer and then delivering it back in a very personalized way in person or not um, is the unifying experience. If I'm a salesperson in a store, I better be able to access and know Here's the profile of what Tom or Bob had done online. Here's the best I know about mm-hmm. that person walking in the store right now. And mm-hmm. it could be downloaded in a QR code, it could be an identifier, it could just be we have a set time you introduce yourself, and I can quickly know that profile on my
0: phone. Mm-hmm. So, um, Dennis, you used to work in brand management. Um, how has brand management evolved? In customer experience management at IBM.
2: So, you know, back when I think you and I learned about brand management from the P and G schools and ways, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a the major difference to me is I think there was a perception that we owned and controlled the brand, mm-hmm. um, which, in, by its very definition, customer experience, and in fact, I often call it customers' experience, the customer perceived experience is the experience all the enterprise or business really does is build the platform the intelligence the profile the data that I mentioned earlier to try to enable that interaction to be one of a good experience but the customer owns the experience they have their own expectations their own journey their own context um, and I think businesses and enterprises need to understand that That you know each, each customers individual um, but you know, the, the business needs to be thought of or developed as a platform of customer engagement um, to best serve, but the customer owns the experience. Um, you know, the idea of building up a brand, uh, to me, the brand is you know, either relevant or differentiated or valued in each instance of an engagement of an experience. So the customer experience is superseding of you know, the brand to me.
1: So have we completely pulled advertising out of the equation? And, and I'm sure advertising was very much at the forefront when you were learning about brand management, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my, my students at the university are shocked uh, are, are shocked when I share my definition of what marketing is because so many of them have bought into the idea that marketing is advertising. And as you and I know, it's really about their customer experience. So how, how has that changed?
2: Uh, well, you're right. I mean, I think, I think advertising is still relevant and plays its place in building awareness or attention or the potential for an interaction or engagement. Mm. But um, I think we do need to redefine what is advertising. Um, mm. You know, the fact that I, I get a ride in a Ford that's an Uber, guess what? Ford didn't intentionally advertise to me, but I'm thinking something about that product um so they better understand and, and try to capture the experience i have because it is going to be associated to their brand um so that idea of advertising i think is much more multi-dimensional than we ever thought about of simply okay it's tv it's radio it's you know, digital and i spend dollars and people will react
1: yeah even if even if we you know even just thinking about online reviews i mean right. what pro- what products do you you know other than underarm deodorant or something like that, what products do you what products do you buy today that you haven't read a review for on, online? You know, like I've been having this problem with my uh, my furnace. First thing I did on my phone, um, heating and cooling repair near me, and then I zeroed in on the one that had average five out of five and looked at the number of reviews and I read them a little bit, and I said, okay, that's good enough for me. This is the one that I'm going to call. And, right. and that, frankly, isn't that the advertising that dominates consumer decision making today?
2: I think it's a big part of it. Um, not only the, the reviews, as you mentioned, but just the social media or our social group of network effect. Um, same, same vein, I, you know, I belong to neighborhood community sites online. I belong to obviously a Facebook group of friends and I'll ask them what furnace to buy who's had a recent experience and so that word of mouth, you know, sort of indirect referral, if you will, or indirect rating, but yeah, that impact of somebody else had an experience they can relay. So it's not just to your point, a one way advertisement to me, but somebody has had an experience that mm-hmm. can relate that information to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely it is a much more, yeah, much more credible source.
2: Right. Right.
0: Let no, me go I mean, back to uh,
2: experiential worlds. So. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry,
0: Dennis. Um, I just want to jump back into the automotive uh, industry a little bit because um, that's what you're kind of fo- focusing on in your job. Um, what it is, it, it is in a in a sort of a revolutionary kind of mode, and some would say and it's kind of uncertain what's going to happen, and we're moving towards electric, electrification, autonomy, these sorts of things. Um, what does the future hold for your function? What do you think the uncertain future is? Uh, how would you project that's going to be for your job at IBM?
2: So uh, for mine specifically and for our, us as really an industry consultative practice, I think it's, it's definitely transforming, just like a lot of what we talked about to being more customer centric, um, you know, and less about uh, necessarily thinking that the OEM is a major client um, is our only means of, of, you know, source of development or revenue in terms of what we do software and services. Um, but building out bigger platforms or bigger networks um, you know, we do a lot with blockchain where you're linking different companies or different potential groups of individuals all together through a, You know trusted digital ledger digital integration Uh, building that type of scale across industries i think is some of what we will the work we will do um you know i have a belief in the industry that the the need for mobility is not going away the the mode of mobility may change sort of the what how how we deliver it how we access it um, you know why we access it those things will change but you know, the need for mobility won't necessarily change. We just have to be able to provide the access, the enablement of how do you get it? You know, do you pay per mile? Do you subscribe monthly to a ability to grab a vehicle? That's a, a fleet at a access depot. Whatever the case may be, I mean, it'll, there's a lot of models that could evolve. But you know, building of that access, that engagement, that experience, that network or platform, I think is where a lot of the attention and growth will be.
1: So yeah, you bring up customer centricity and the auto industry, in particular the American auto industry, which hasn't always been known for being customer centric. How, how do you feel that the definition of customer centricity has changed in the U.S. automotive industry?
2: Uh, tough question. Um, I still think it's a laggard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that the automotive OEMs and, in the U.S., are customer-centric. I think they're more customer-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly take a lot of, uh, you know, the, the review information, the JD Power-type information, the customer need. They're setting up more and more, you know, call center and, and virtual assistant support to help customers find information or service or needs um, and fulfill the customer's need beyond just the product. So. I think there's been more of a customer focus. I don't know that they're yet customer centric. To me, customer centric would truly be to recognize, understand, and be able to support my needs for as as a individual, perhaps as a household, as a family for mobility. Um, you know, just because I own one new car that's a General Motors per se doesn't mean you need to market and hammer me for another new car that's a General Motors in my household. There may be other ways to provide access to your brand of mobility. Uh, there may be other services to provide me, but, you know, to know me um, would, would be more customer centric as opposed to, you know, simply providing one way transactional sale or service.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, I've always viewed it um, very much a focus on, on clinching the sale mm-hmm. and then kind of forgetting, forgetting about me um, after, after that. Uh, what, what, what do you think is the biggest challenge in changing that mentality? Um, well, I think it's coming.
2: And again, I think some of the pressures of, of profitability, of sustainability of their business models going forward is putting the pressure to reassess, you know, what are they as a, as mm-hmm. a business? Are they in the business of selling new cars or are they in the business of customer lifetime value? Yep. Uh, um, you know, to me, the industry is broken and has been for for a long time because the key metric for success is the transaction of a new car, mm-hmm. And, you know, Bob knows if you go to a dealership, the new car at best is a break-even proposition for that business, you know, so they're selling a new car to get access to try to sell you service and parts and financing um, where they're making money, a lot of money in financing. So an industry set up on a KPI or key metric, like a new car sale that doesn't provide profit has to change. So again, I think there are, and a lot of our work is that very, sort of linchpin moment of you need to make some key decisions over the next five years about how will you focus on customers and on mobility as opposed to a new car transaction.
1: Good point. Good point.
0: Well said. Yeah, that's a challenge. That's job security for you, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. If not, I'll just run cars to Florida back and forth. There
0: that's you go. Very good go. idea.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, Dennis. This has really been enlightening. I'm glad we finally um, got you on the show. It's, it's, it's nice to make your acquaintance, and uh, look forward to working with you in the future as we uh, build a master's degree at MSU.
2: Absolutely. I'd love to uh, support, help, get involved, especially uh, I'm always big in trying to go back and provide any value or insight I can to the students. So I'd love to help and be part of it. So uh, thanks for having me on.
1: And listeners, uh, that's the end of another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio.